Hello, world, and welcome back to the latest and greatest episode of My Friend Chuck. I am Mike Richman of the Oregonian Oregon Live. With me, as always, my friend Chuck, Charles Tuggle, alternate Jersey expert and king of the mediocrity. Charles, what's poppin'? Oh, yeah, I got my, uh, I put my sartorial lens on, you know, to take a look at some of the uh, latest alternate City Edition, maybe Nike is what they've called them. That's right. Good branding. Good branding. Nice. City Edition jerseys, which were released uh, just prior to Christmas, a little Christmas gift uh, for NBA fans. No, just after Christmas, bizarrely, on December 27th, two days after Christmas. A a Boxing Day gift, perhaps. Ah, yes. For those Boxing Day NBA fans out there. (laughs) For for the probably just few thousand uh, uh, NBA fans living over in the UK. Or in, yeah, Can- I think or in a- Canada. Do they, do they celebrate yeah. that in Canada? I'm going to say yes, but I don't know. Yeah, well, they should. It's a good holiday. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you do on Boxing Day, but I imagine you get gifts that come in a box. Or maybe you put gifts in a box. Yeah, it's, it's a little like a Black Friday, I think. I don't mean to be that sort of commercial about it, but I think it is a big shopping day. Uh, part of me thinks that it also might be a day that you give gifts to people in need. Yes, yes. I think its history is with, um, I think, giving gifts to sort of the help, so to speak, in sort of old uh-huh. aristocratic sort of English days. Uh, well, this podcast does not know much about Boxing Day, but yeah. we do at least pretend to know about the NBA and specifically the Portland Trailblazers. Since every episode of My Friend Chuck is someone's first, uh, just to set the stage, I am the beat writer for a the local newspaper here in Portland, and Charles is my friend, who is an NBA junkie. Uh, and sort of a Blazer fan, self, self-proclaimed self Blazer fan, um, although I don't think he owns a new alternate jersey yet. No, no, uh, maybe I'll be shopping, uh, but I am a Blazers fan, but I, I don't buy much gear. Well, uh, maybe one day. <laughs> Ch- night, night, we're not going to get that Nike sponsorship with that kind of talk from me. I'm going to have to oh, turn it around. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Um, Nike's jerseys are innovative and comfortable and And reasonably priced. Yeah, uh, they're great for any occasion, a dinner, a night in with the family, or uh... going to a worship service, maybe. (laughs) Oh, is that the new Milwaukee Bucks Cream City jerseys, Charles? It's great. Welcome. Let us pray. If you wear it to church, then uh, the Blazers do need some blessings, so. (laughs) They do. Uh, the Blazers do need some blessings. Uh, it's been a while since we did one of these, maybe 10 days, but the Blazers have been sort of doing what they do. They win some games, then they lose a game or two, then they win a game or two, and they stick around 500. Uh, let's rewind back to the last sort of truly entertaining win they had, Charles. They played the Philadelphia 76ers on December 28th. Uh, what were your, you know, they came back and won. Down 18 in the third quarter, came back and won. What are your big takeaways from that game and... Uh, you know, that's so probably the last game you as a fan really enjoyed, huh? Yeah, that was a really fun game. Um, it, it may also have to do with the fact that I really, really like the Sixers. They're much, for me, one of the most fun teams to watch this year just because they have some young talent. Uh, they play hard. They're playing pretty pretty solid basketball, but they just have some really exciting players, uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, namely. Um so that had something to do with it, but it was a fun game. Um, dreadful third quarter from the Blazers, which seems to happen every now and then with the Blazers. Um, they kind of pick a quarter to be dreadful in each night, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outscored 34-20 to 20 in that third quarter, uh, and then stormed back. I think the deficit was 18 at its greatest. You can check me on yeah, that. Yeah, 18. 18's right. Um, 
and they just sort of outplayed them, absolutely outplayed them in the fourth. And, you know, maybe you can chalk that up to the Sixers sort of, you know, youth or inexperience, but the Blazers have a young team also that isn't sort of chock full of experience. So, yeah, uh, I mean, they came back on them with Shabazz Napier and, and Yusuf Nurkic leading the way. So it wasn't yeah, exactly. N- the, no, uh, no Damian Lillard at that time who had been out for, I think, five games or so with the uh, minor yeah. hamstring injury, which was a bit a bit curious, but uh, he, he's back now. So, yeah, no Dame there, and Shabazz got the starts during that time in major minutes um, and played really, really well. I mean, we the Blazers just smoked them in the fourth quarter. Outscored them by yeah. 20, 20 points, I think. Um, yeah, they, and they, they, they dominated the, the end of that game. The last 10 minutes were all, all Portland. I think they won a 23-2 to two run there in the fourth quarter that kind of just shifted the game and then the Sixers maybe threatened a little bit there in the last two minutes and and then they got some plays when they needed them Nurk made free throws Mo Harkless hit two big corner three-pointers CJ McCollum who I think had 34 in that game really uh you know just iced it down the stretch with a couple a couple big buckets and and some and some makes at the free throw line he was he was really good Shabazz Napier had 22 of his 23 in the second half I mean Uh he uh he was great in that fourth quarter I think he scored the Blazers 11 of the first 13 points so uh, our third team made the first 15 points in the fourth. It was really, really, really good. Uh, and and what happened, sort of what we saw in that game was the introduction or the reintroduction of Mad Nurkic, the angry Nurkic. Uh, he got hit in the face. Um, and he doesn't even know who did it. And the replays were inconclusive. I think it was J.J. Redick who caught him, but it could have been Joel Embiid. It was it was J.J. Redick. And uh, he was, was actually it? called for a foul. Nurkic was called for a foul on that. And oh, yeah, it, was, was so it was ridiculous. bizarre. I mean, uh, apparently Nurkic fouled J.J. Redick with his nose. Like, <laughs> it, it just bopped his nose. Uh, not a foul at all. Um, but just got him right on the, on the, on the, on the kisser there. Um, yeah, and he was bleeding, and he he didn't go down on the floor for defense, and the somehow the Blazers got a stop, and then they inst- he still didn't get a timeout from the refs, and he ended up taking his fourth foul there to get out yeah. of the game, which was just what seems like an incredible misstep and sort of adding uh, injury to ins- or adding insult to injury there, but he came back, played through foul trouble, picked up a fifth foul right away in the fourth quarter, and and Stott stuck with him, and he played great down the stretch. So he didn't shoot very well in that game. Uh, but if he was, he played really hard. He was battling inside. I thought he did a great job guarding Embiid after Embiid was kind of roasting him from outside early in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and and, Nurk, and and just like an engaged, aggressive Nurk is exactly what the Blazers need. And Terry Stotts told them in the locker room at, at the end of the game. He said, "We need Nurk to we Yusuf. We need you to play like you played after you broke your nose. We need broken nose Nurkic to show up every night." Yeah, it's a bit. I don't want to say troubling, more more so bewildering to me, because I don't seem to notice a huge shift in sort of engagement levels per se, but he does at times seem to play with a fire, uh, which he doesn't always play with. Um, so I guess I don't want to, I don't like to use the word engagement in that sense, but uh, there there does seem to be a level or two um, to his game. Um, and when it comes out and he's sort of, he's talking his trash a little bit, you know, something has upset him, uh, something has got him going, then, then he plays well. And uh, you're right, that, that intentional foul of his, basically to point out to the refs that he was bleeding on the foul that he was called for, was a, a bizarre and frankly idiotic moment. Um, but he played within himself from then on, uh, at least with regards to, to, to foul concerns. 
Um, and yeah, he was tw- 21 and 12 that night. He was excellent. And we've seen a little bit more of that uh, since then, but not every single night. Uh, but the Blazers need that because Nurk just had a, f- a poor season for the most part. Um, good good raw numbers, I suppose. But, you know, uh, turnovers are up. Uh, shooting percentages are it's down. His shooting percentage is terrible. It yeah, is. I mean, it's just, dreadful. He's, He's just he's just still missing inside, and I, I think what's curious about sort of the Mad Nurk thing is that when you asked his teammates after the game, where you know where how do you how do you short of punching him in the nose, how do you sort of get Mad Nurkic to show up? And it was a you know it was a mystery. Uh, CJ said you know we we know we need him, he knows we need him, but I don't know. And and Shabazz Napier said that's a question for him. He has to f- sort of find it and bring it himself. Uh, so. And, yeah, and, and then, you know, outside of, outside of it, you know, just on social media, he seems like a pretty sort of, you know, easygoing, kind of loving, sort of chilled back guy. Um, of course, he's he's always sort of been confident, if not sort of bordering on sort of arrogant in his play sometimes. Uh, so I don't really know where that comes from. And it is, it is to me, a, a different case than I think the issue of Alan Crabb last year and his sort of engagement levels. Uh, it is sort of different where... I think the Blazers last year were sort of begging Alan Crabb to be more aggressive. Um, and I just don't think Crabb really has that in him. Um, yeah, or, playing hard is a skill. Just like defense and just like shooting, it's a skill. Some players have it. Some players have to think about it. And if you have to think about it, it you you know, it's it takes a while to sort of get it going. And yeah, sometimes it yeah. doesn't show up because it's a skill. I mean, it really is. It, if everyone could play – it's why I don't like when people say that defense is all about effort. If, if defense was only an effort thing and not a, a skill thing – Amari Stoudemire would have been an all-league defender. You know, it, it's a. There are some abilities that that you think are just sort of could be overcome with playing hard, but playing hard itself is is a skill that some guys can't carry with them every week. Right, right. It's a value you can you can develop that in ethic and in, in sport or outside of sport, uh, uh, hard work ethic. So yeah, I, 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 I'm not so sure it's that Nurkic needs to work harder, but he seems to just need to sort of want it more at times or something. Maybe those are the same things. Maybe I'm just sort of uh, trying to just sort of make a distinction between terms, but uh, but it certainly helps the Blazers when when he's a little zeroed in, and he's had some yeah. good, some good nights recently. I think Terry Stotts point this out. There's a difference in sort of uh, using your energy and using your energy in a smart way, mm. and I think that's maybe that's the difference in Nurkic is that he doesn't always. Maybe he's playing hard, but he's doing weird. You know, just not exactly uh, using that focus and that energy in 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 the most positive way so maybe it's sort of dialing in um i don't know how much dialing in where where you and how you use that energy and 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 how you can make it positive yeah and and it is a thing because you know after that great sixers comeback the the blazers put up a stinker in atlanta and nurkic was was awful along with a bunch of other players but nurkic was especially awful that was one of the worst games of the year, I would say, for the Blazers. Oh my god! That was one of the that was one of the few games that, with about nine minutes left, Blazers playing the team with the worst record in the NBA on the road, and with nine minutes left, the body language was so bad you knew it was over. Everybody's the Blazers' body language was terrible, terrible. Uh, yeah, they they outscored in the second half, fifty eight thirty seven, and and that Hawks team is not good. Let's be frank. How I, many Hawks can you name? I mean, how many Hawks can you name? Had I not watched that abysmal performance, hardly any. Yeah, Tyler Kavanaugh. I bet you wouldn't have got Tyler Kavanaugh. Oh, no, not at all. I would have gotten Baysmore, you know, um, gosh. Truder. Like, for sure, for sure. The young German. Uh, no, you know, they, they don't have a lot, a lot of talent. So to get outplayed by them in Atlanta is, is embarrassing. You know, uh, Pat Connison was really bad. Zach Collins, who's gotten lots of play, was awful. CJ was bad. It, it just, 
uh, one to forget. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was brutal. Um, that Blazers play them They're in their next game. So we'll see if they, if they can make in the rematch, but that, that's the type of game that, that could come back to bite you at the end of the year. Just, you know, a, you know, when you play, when you play terrible, uh, and, and this, the bottom of the West may come down to one or two games. It's these one or two games against bad teams. When you also play bad and don't bring it, that, uh, can sort of cost you that either a spot in the playoffs or a seed in the playoffs. Exactly. And, and, you got to make the most out of those road trips for energy as well. You know, you know how the Blazers, how much they exert. Cause two nights later they're, they're playing in overtime in Chicago. Um, I think it was, was it two nights later or. Yeah, they, they had, uh, they had a back to back Sunday. Off, they had Sunday off and they played Monday to open the year in Chicago. I, what did you think about that game, Charles? I, I thought that was fair, as far as victories go, fairly uninspiring for your Portland trailblazers. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a great game. Um, I, I don't really think it was a good performance at all. Again, I don't think the Bulls have a whole lot of talent. They're in a clear sort of rebuilding mode. Um, they still don't even have Zach Levine, who they shipped, uh, who they who they brought in, uh, recovered from a knee injury. I don't even think they have lots of nice talent besides the young Finnish kid, uh, Laurie uh, Markkanen. Um, yeah, so I, that's not a that's not a great win. Uh, it's nice to see that they can sort of close out something in overtime but against a team like that I don't think it says much about the Blazers and, and CJ started really really slowly um, yeah he delivered late but he was 0 for his first seven and he he, he that was an effort issue he was just shooting bricks oh yeah I mean and, and that happens and McCollum will, will tell you about law of averages and things like that um yeah, so but he scored twenty seven of his thirty two in the second half, so he showed up when when we needed him. But uh, and, and, and he was really good in OT. Um, but but I do think that uh, Shabazz Napier fouled uh, Chris Dunn on that the Bulls penultimate possession. Um, yeah, I, I mean you know it's a bit soft, but uh, he, he definitely nicked his arm. So yeah, uh, it was funny. Uh, shout out to Comcast Sports Northwest. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Apologies. New branding. Shout out to NBC Sports Northwest. They tweeted out a video that was like, "Here's the slow mo replay. It looks clean." And I watched a video and I was like, "No, that's not clean, guys. That is that is uh, that's a pretty obvious foul." And then the next day, the the last two minutes report, which I don't even understand the point of. I have no idea. Maybe you can tell me the point of it, but it said that Napier fouled him. So there's some sort of alternate timeline in which Chris Dunn is at the free throw line with a chance to tie the game. Right. Right. I mean, that would have been by the rule, kind of the right call. And on the, on the point of the last two minutes, it's obviously an effort to sort of increase transparency and, and officiating accountability. But I, I think it undermines it's, it's, it's very sort of purpose um, by just basically inviting attention to completely blown calls which will happen so I, you know kudos to the nba for trying to think through improving officiating methods and accountability uh, but i don't see exactly how the last two minute reports help i don't have any other they suggestions seem- to sort of improve that either <laughs> but they seem to just make people mad Exactly. You know, like, they, they, and they give, every, they give you a reason to sort of uh, a legitimate reason to be mad. Say, look, look, even the NBA said that you blew that call. Yeah. Fans are mad. Players are mad. But but they're mad in like such an unactionable way. It's right. like Chris Dunn wakes up the next day and he looks at it and he's like, oh, he fouled me. Yeah, I knew he bleeping fouled me. The end. And that's it. And then you, you know, keep it moving. So maybe it says like, hey, we're willing to like, oh, you know, publicly uh, review and and and. And radar referees, radar officials, but uh, 
it, it's just so unactionable that it seems it seems a little pointless to me. Um, I, I've tried to talk, to, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, I've tried to talk to Blazers players and coaches about this, but they will not criticize the officiating on the record because they do not want to donate money to the league because they answered my questions. So yeah. maybe one day I'll get them to talk about that privately, but I pro- won't be able to share it. Yeah, and that, that strikes me as a bit funny also. I understand the, the impetus there from players, or, or the, the reticence rather, uh, to speak on those things for fine reasons, but there should be no reason why NBA players to the press can't speak on officiating. You know, if you're out there just just throwing a guy's name into the mud or, or, or saying, you know, uh, rest for trash tonight or garbage or whatever else, then yeah, you know, a fine maybe is, is merited. But um, to, to openly sort of speak about it seems like a healthy thing to me because it seems like there's a breaking down of communication uh, between sort of players and offici- officials a little bit. And that goes both ways. Uh, so that's a bit odd to me. I think the NBA should look at that. Yeah, well, I also think the league would just, like, sort of the golden era of NBA refs have all retired in the last five years, right? Mm, sure. These guys who, so we're, we're we're sort of breaking in a new era, a new, you know, a new generation of, of referees. So So there's a lot of sort of veteran refs that have, that are no longer in the picture that have kind of bowed out of, uh, of the game. And I, I think the Joey Crawford, Dick Bavetta era, um, referees that maybe had a lot of respect from veteran from veteran players. Since they aren't around anymore, there's a bunch of new faces, uh, and and maybe that that has led to some sort of animosity because definitely players have complained. And and NBA officiating, for as sort of uh, stupid and and subjective as it seems, I, I think they mostly get stuff right. I think they mostly do a good job. I would agree. I would agree. And I guess if they're trying to usher in a new era, then. Um, perhaps it needs to be made clear to some of the players that the, they need to be more charitable in their interactions. I mean, that, that's, that's not really going to fly, but I do think no, that, that... No, no one's going to do that. I, I, I do must... think, and they're the bread and butter of the league, but I don't know, if players aren't sort of readily sort of acknowledging sort of, you know, uh, correctly made calls, even in the moment in a game, then how do you expect it to go both ways, in my opinion? Um, in terms of communication, I think they should be, it should be open. Uh, maybe even open up sort of little sessions after games, you know, uh, you know, traveling sort of things, notwithstanding can traveling considerations to have not to clear the air session, but Hey, explain to me this call back here, or can we look at the, the playback of this call right now or, or something like that? And I don't know if they have mechanics for that. Yeah. And I think they want to avoid relationships because it might, you know, building certain sort of personal relationships because it could affect the object objectivity of the referee. I think, it, I, I do think that they're, uh, there is sort of some sort of animosity that needs to be uh, addressed. With yeah, I think Pat- I think players already leverage that sort of thing. You know, I mean, I, like totally, like Dray- totally. Draymond can say whatever he wants all the time, and he gets tossed sometimes, but he, he yaps constantly at refs. Yeah, I mean, you know, and constantly. LeBron James, LeBron James goes nuts, and he and he's obviously has a little more leeway than almost anyone in the league. Like he mm-hmm. got thrown out for the first time in his career this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, no, the, you'll see sort of makeup calls happen with LeBron. <laughs> Absolute makeup oh my, calls. Oh my god! Yeah, it's hilarious, Com- comedically obvious ones. Um, speaking of LeBron James, Blazers' most recent game, as we run through their last five, um, they a pretty good seventeen point loss, right? Wouldn't you say, Charles? <laughs> a, like a, a heartening seventeen point loss, return of Damian Lillard and all that. A great, uh, great first three quarters. They started out the game well. Cavs didn't so much, uh, missed some shots, but the Blazers' defense is solid this year. More than that, um, so it's 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 difficult to feel hard done from a game like that. You know, they were 
completely sort of outscored, outplayed in the fourth quarter, uh, but the Cavs are a, a perennial contender. Um, right, this is a championship team versus a low-level playoff team, and sometimes they're going to run off on you. Yeah, you know, Nurkic played really well. Um, I, you know, the Cavs are a great matchup for Nurkic. The, the Cavs are have so clearly constructed to compete with the Golden State Warriors. Um, yeah, they don't give a they don't give a crap about anybody no, else, so, man. They're so, they're trying to beat one team. You know, it's so obvious, and of course that's what they should be doing. Uh, but that's that's great for Nurkic because they don't really have anyone who who, who can really guard him. Um, and he was able to guard Jay Crowder, which I think was an interesting wrinkle. Uh, they put Aminu on Kevin Love and put Nurk on Jay Crowder, and uh, and I thought that worked okay. Um, mm-hmm. the, the cap the Cavs are a very bad defensive team. Uh, they might even be worse than the Blazers on defense. Or uh, they might even be one of the worst in the league, worse than the Blazers are on offense. Yeah, the Cavs are 29th in defensive rating. I mean, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA, second worst mm-hmm. defensive team in the NBA. So, uh, you know, you can feast. Some dudes can have games, but uh, they're going to, if you score 110, they might score 130 like they did the other night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they outscored the Blazers by 13 in the fourth quarter, and they the Blazers couldn't score at all in that fourth quarter. Uh, so, so they know their moments, and uh, I guess nice. also nice to see if you're looking for takeaways uh, – uh, Dame, um, yeah, shot was looking a little out of rhythm early on, but he overall had a good day. He, he, he yeah, all, he missed his first three, and then he got going. I thought he, I thought, thought he played really well. Other than the seven turnovers, I thought his shot looked great. Yeah, twenty six and six for him. Um, Dame just does that, you know. The, the, yeah, the, the, right. He's good, man. Uh, I won't even, <laughs> I won't even make much of his performance. And I'll look at the stat line, and he's got his average, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that he scored 26 last night, you know, if I wasn't sort of consulting any box scores. And I thought he had, you know, 18, 19. So he just gets his, um, and that's good. Um, the Blazers need him, and it's nice that the hamstring isn't bothering him. It didn't look yeah. to be. I thought the big three played well, but uh, old number Quattro, Afrukamino, who's kind of the uh, the bellwether for the Blazers' success, he had a bad game. He had a bad offensive game, and so they had a, they lost. That's kind of how it works. Yeah, yeah, his shot's not falling. Uh, wasn't falling then, even though it's it's been falling a lot this year. But he's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a streaky shooter. He saved them against the Bulls. He had five threes. Oh, huge threes, too. Every single single one seemed to be at the most opportune moment. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he, he played really well in that game, so you can cut him some slack. I mean, he is what he is. He's a he's a 40% three-point shooter with a, a wonky look at a shot, so sometimes it misses, and other times he gets hot. Yeah, and, he, and he still provides things like the you know we started off talking about the Sixers win and he was 0 for 10 that game but he 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 guarded Embiid on a handful of possessions he was the only person capable of slowing down Ben Simmons who's just a monster uh, and he and he had double digit rebounds so you know, he's hugely important to the team and so when he is hitting those shots they're they're a much better team. Yeah, he I mean he's he's their fourth best player. I was saying at the beginning of the year that I thought he was pretty clearly their fourth best player and he has made some case to baby even be their third best player on a lot of nights uh he's 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 uh-huh. a really important to what they do which kind of speaks to maybe how wonky the roster is if nothing else right right no one else can can do what he does you know most most not up for it um and that's mo kind of showed mo kind of seemed like he was going to play for a second there right he had two games in a row where it's like is this is mo back yeah there, yeah there was an inkling of hope for him um but uh yeah it's faded away I, I should point out, I wrote an article called The Blazers Have an Evan Turner Problem. Uh, it's my w- weekly column, Good, Bad, and Nerdy, came back for the last time in 2017. Uh, it was just about how Evan Turner has is just pretty much proved to be a bad fit with the Blazers' offense. And as, as valuable as he is on defense, his offense is so bad that it doesn't even matter. 
Uh, he's got the worst net rating of any regular player. The Blazers are about nine points per 100 possessions better when he's on the bench. That's a big deal. You know, that's 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 a blowout, basically. The difference in a blowout and, and not. Um, but he's averaging 18 and a half points since I wrote that a game, since I wrote that story. He's shooting 60% from the field since I wrote that story. He's averaging like 18, 5, and 5. So you're welcome. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a principle of sort of observation, you know. Once you yeah. once you observe something, it, it changes. Uh, I think Kevin Pelton pointed this out. It's like uh, it was in the other direction, but usually you write features when a player is playing above their ability, and then after you publish the feature, they regress to the mean. So usually, after immediately after you write a nice story about someone, they uh, play worse because that's just sort of the na- nature of of how things work. So maybe I did, et got the reverse. Yeah, you, you pre- might have to switch to some sort of like predictive reporting, Mike. And <laughs> you can play that to your advantage, maybe, but it might be hard with the numbers. I might not. I might not be smart enough to do that. Charles, <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. I'm good at observations, and I watch. I understand uh, sort of basketball and what the Blazers want to do. But uh, what the Bla- if I knew what the Blazers would do in the future, I'd probably quit this and make money gambling. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I guess it's maybe a little bit of that uh, C.J. McCollum kind of law of averages sort of thing. Uh, sometimes he loves to talk it, about the law of averages. He always well. does. <laughs> um, so that sort of just balances out. Um, and it's funny, you know, to, to, to stick on Turner for just a minute. You know, even when he's sort of, you know, even when he's scoring the bucket against mismatches and things like that, I think his game is just hideous. I think it's ugly. I, I can't even get hyped about it. You know, he was he was abusing all sorts of. Uh, of defenders against the Bulls the other night and it's just just sort of pound the rock stuff that I just it doesn't come close to meeting sort of my lofty requirements for beautiful basketball uh, so I'm, I'm not even really excited about that <laughs> wow eight, 18 and a half on 60 percent shooting doesn't get you hyped up um, I like to see the ball move it's weird that he's like the ball handler distributor and it feels like he's like in theory and when you watch him he's the ball stopper like you know, averaging fewer assists than CJ McCollum type player. It's strange. Yeah, it's it's a a misread of his sort of talents or abilities or something. Whenever we acquired him, I suppose. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well. Um, yeah, I think just as an update, uh, we always talk about sort of where the Blazers rank in uh we've been talking about their defense and sort of their woeful offense and i think now's as good a time any to point out that the blazers 26 in offensive rating their seventh in defensive rating and they are now negative 0.3 in net rating so they're out they're being outscored when they're on the court for about uh you know a third of a point every 100 possessions that's not great yeah i'm, uh, not, I'm not a and they're 19 and 18 you know this is their, that's yeah. the 17th best uh net rating in the league uh, the other 16 teams above them are in the positive. The, they're the closest team in the negative. You know, they are mediocre. I don't know I don't know what what else there is to say about that. They've kind of played into being mediocre, and they've leaned. This is who they are at this point. Yeah, you know, perhaps as we get closer to all-star break and things like that, I wonder if there'll be more scuttlebutt about any sort of trade opportunities, and yet... It, the construction of the Blazers roster makes that difficult, I think, um, to, uh, to help move, this the, is, move the Blazers along a little bit. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Shout out to uh, Eric Griffith of Blazers Edge. I read a story he wrote about uh, Damian Lillard. Will he ever request out being traded out? Listen, uh, before I get into it, Eric, I wrote about his, his 
in, intense loyalty, and I wanted some linkage in that post, so I'm pissed. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm, no, I am pissed. No, um, no but uh, he pointed out a, a really good thing. I thought it was a smart take. Uh, all of the Blazers' tradable players are on expiring contracts, which makes them less tradable. Right. Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, Pat Connaughton, Yusuf Nurkic, all these sort of like, hey, these guys could help someone else. Well, they're at heading into free agency, so they're less tradable. And they're sort of like, we need to trade these guys to consolidate or on long-term bad money deals. E.T., Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, much harder to trade. So it's, and, yeah. you know, and now and then, so then the only thing you're left with, now you're looking down the roster, you trade rookies. Very, I would think it's very unlikely Neil trades rookie his draft picks in the first year of their rookie contract. That just seems crazy to me. It's just not the way he's operated. He trusts his instincts. He trusts his scouting, yada, yada, yada. Which, which, and which then could Damon, be a flaw of his, I think. Oh, it's obviously a flaw of his, but, <laughs> but, but it's also the way he operates. So sure. when you're kind of fi- thinking about what he might do, I think that's important to consider. Uh-huh. And then so you're talking about trading Dame or CJ, and I just I cannot see that happening midstream. I, can't, I cannot see that happening this season. I could see it happening in a off season, not even this off season necessarily. But I, I can't imagine in the middle in mid season he would trade one of those guys to get, uh, you know, to make a big splash. But I mean that I, I agree. The, the, the way when you're looking the way at the, the roster looks, it's just that that wouldn't be prudent to me either. Uh, and you're right that those are the guys that would would be able to fetch the most or change things the most. Uh, right, they they're, they're, they're the ones who. They're the ones who cause a seismic shift in uh, in what happens. I do think though the Blazers will try to make a trade to get they're two point nine or two point three. They're a little they're under three million dollars over the luxury tax, and I do think they will try to make a move to get cheaper. I do I I, I very very legitimately do believe they will make even a minor move to get below the luxury tax. I really, but but I, but 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 Paul Allen's Microsoft money. <laughs> but Paul Allen doesn't. <laughs> Paul Allen remains extremely wealthy, but do you think he wants to pay a punitive luxury tax next year to watch this almost a same cast of characters, mediocre team? No, with- never, never. I feel, I feel like I hear fans say that, though, you know, but Paul Allen's so rich. I was like, well, I, no, rich people don't necessarily like throwing money away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does he care about money if they were winning? No, he would burn it down, man. He would just, he would light that money on fire to get this team a championship. But, uh... If they're mediocre for three straight years, heading into a fourth straight year, would he pay, you know, as much as two two fifty on the dollar over the luxury tax line? No way. They're already ninety nine committed in a hundred one hundred and two million dollar cap, and that's you know, and they still got to fill out the roster. So they're probably going to be a luxury tax team next year. So it's important. I think they're going to get. I think they're going to get cheaper. And what we're about a month away, five weeks away from the uh, from the trade deadline. So it's going to heat up a little bit. No doubt about it, yeah. and that's and it, and I think it's going to heat up because they're mediocre. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you want to? Uh, oh, I want to give. I, I was going to save this for the end, but I want to do this now in case he gives up on us. I met Charles. I met your good friend Zach at the uh, Sixers game, uh, and I want to give a shout out to Zach. Thanks for listening, Zach. You said you're a loyal listener, and you said you have to hear Charles Blazer takes twice sometimes because he runs them, but. <laughs> He runs them by you at the bar, and then he tries them out on the podcast. That's, <laughs> That's funny. That is true. That is true. Uh, but, but Zach also he was trying to come. He was trying to come correct and say we were wrong about the Clippers in our season uh, preview pod. Mm-hmm. We were predicting teams in the West. Clippers won five in a row since we talked. Zach. <laughs> hey Zach, the Clippers are re- Clippers are red hot, baby. <laughs> I guess there is time for that. Uh, that 
errant prediction to sort of write itself. But uh, no, I, I, I was wrong in a few other teams as well. Uh, and I guess now is a good time to air that out a little bit. Um, maybe thought I was wrong about the T Wolves. They're good. I thought they were going to be mediocre, and they're legitimately good. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I thought they were going to struggle more. Uh, I thought uh, Jazz maybe would be a bit better. Uh, they have a lot of injuries. I discount that. If they're if Rudy Gobert was healthy, I think they'd be in the mix. Yeah, well, uh, Clippers had their injuries as well. Pat Beverly and Teodosic, who are obviously and not and Blake obviously for yeah. There's and another. Blake. There's another team. I feel like I've been looking at in the Western Conference that I was just kind of way wrong on also, and they're they're slipping my, my mind. Convenient, huh? <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, Zach, hey, Zach, let us know. You got my phone number, Zach. Text me. Tell me what Charles is wrong about. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, as, while we're shouting people out, let's do some listener questions. We submitted questions on Twitter, and you got back to us. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Mike G. Rich. Hard for me to believe that you listen to this podcast and don't follow me on Twitter, but hey, I'm sure there's some of you out there. Uh, if you're looking for Charles, he's at MC Helen Arles. Uh, where are we? Let's go first off. Let's just do them chronologically in the way they came in. Uh, this comes from DC at Rip City DC on Twitter. <laughs> this is a really great question. He asks, when will the Blazers be fun to watch again? Mm. Uh, at the very earliest, probably next year. <laughs> You, so you think no more fun? The last what are they? I, I, Fifty. I don't know how to just kickstart just ball movement. You know what I mean? I don't know how to kickstart uh, a higher octane offense. Uh, if they play the terrible Cavs defense. It might be pretty entertaining. Yeah, maybe. But uh, I'm sorry, and I'm I must commiserate with Blazer fan or Rip City DC at Rip City. That's DC. your dude, man. That's your close friend, Rip City DC. Uh, yeah, I must commiserate because I agree the Blazers aren't very fun to watch. <laughs> and in fact, they're even even tedious to watch at times. So, so I can't wait, but it might it might be a year. We might be looking at next season. Yeah, I'm with you, Charles. Like this team is mediocre. They are what they are. It's kind of their identity. Um, that's not great, but it, it's also the real, it's real life. So, uh, oh, here's, you know, here's keep... a, here's a silver lining that just popped in my head. You know, the Blazers still amongst all this mediocrity have a great chance of making the playoffs. So, uh, playoffs are usually pretty fun, even if the Blazers put up some stinkers. So maybe in the playoffs, uh, a fun game. Yeah, maybe, so. the, <laughs> maybe they'll beat LaMarcus Aldridge and the Spurs in one game and force a game five. Maybe you're, that'll, I'll get a trip back to San Antonio. Your boy will get to go back to Texas. Yeah, Military City USA. <laughs> military City USA, home of the largest percentage of retired and active military personnel in the United States. Hey, shout out the veterans. I got I got two in my family, so shout out to nice. them. So maybe maybe, yeah, we, maybe the playoffs will be some fun basketball. Yeah. Okay, so maybe, maybe. Uh, April. <laughs> April, to answer your question. April, but not before then because they're mostly not fun. Um, this one comes in from uh, noted pickup basketball chucker and friend of mine friend of the podcast who probably doesn't listen michael francis acker he asks is dame a good leader or a great leader uh and i believe this is some trolling that comes off something that isaiah thomas said last night on the nba tv broadcast when he says damian lord needs to become a better uh like vocal leader he needs to lead his team not just physically but also by vocally um which if you spend any time around the team that's exactly the type of leader Damian Lillard is as I pointed out in something I wrote today on OregonLive.com Dame even talked about his need and his focus on being holding people more accountable for their actions last spring so it's something that he's even discussed and focused on 
he's the he's the the pulse and the voice of the team. Um, people listen to him. Last year there was a situation in which Myers Leonard. This is some reporting from Jason Quick, but it's it's uh, of NBC Sports Northwest. But uh, Myers Leonard asked Dame to speak up on telling people to play better defense, and Dame said, "I can't because I don't play. You know, I I am part of the problem. You know, it it, it rings hollow from me." So he's you know he he gets it. Dude is a is a perfectly good vocal leader. He has some flaws, but leadership isn't one of them. So I'm going to say good leader because a great leader maybe would have the team not be 1918 yeah outside looking in Damian Lillard is a great leader I think he sort of oozes leadership just in his his sort of persona and 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 how he holds himself and I can't speak to behind the scenes stuff but you can and 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 you just mentioned all of that so this is you know from Isaiah Thomas former Detroit Piston great Hall of Famer uh, you know completely vacuous sort of platitudinous analysis really from a guy who outside of being actually on the court doesn't appear to know anything about basketball yeah, uh, pr- terrible leader of the New York Knicks, I would also mention. <laughs> t- t- terrible coach. He, he even had that, what, a stint in at FAU or something, NCAA. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the guy doesn't really know basketball, I don't think. Uh, obviously, he's a great, great player. Amazing player. Yeah, maybe one of the most underappreciated players of, of his era. But um, I think he was off base with that comment. Yeah, he's uh, just wrong. And I wrote about he's it. lazy. If you want to see that, I have video, organlive.com slash blazers. Uh, it's, if you're listening to this, when this comes out, it's very obvious. If not, search uh, Isaiah Thomas, Damian Lillard. You'll find the story. Um, Mike, thanks for the question. We'll move on. This is from at Rip Citizen on Twitter. Uh, and I think this is a pretty interesting one for you, Charles. Would you prefer this team or a Blazers team that was consistently bad? Oh, these are, yeah, these are tough to answer, really. Um... I, let me put it like this, I guess. I, I wouldn't prefer this team to be consistently bad. That is, this team as it is currently constructed to be consistently that's bad. Fair. I think that's fair. Because the roster is locked in, and that's just a huge chunk of my sort of just me being just a little sort of weary of the Blazers' sort of immediate future. Um, would I prefer at this point in time the Blazers to be have a, a sort of a crappy roster with great flexibility moving forward and be consistently bad? Maybe, you know, maybe. Um, but I don't, yeah, even, secu- I don't, I don't even... Secure the Bagley, dude. Secure the Bagley. I don't even like to admit that, though, because that, that would absolutely be worse, like a game-to-game basis. Yeah, the fans Just who watching. root for tanking... The fans who root for tanking when there's not, like... When a team is mediocre is always bizarre to me. It's like, wouldn't you rather just watch them be okay and make the playoffs? I mean... Yeah, if you're just like a, games, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like if you're a fan, wouldn't you want them to like? Because you know the Blazers could conceivably finish fifth in the in the West. Like if you just look at where the standings are now, if you watch them play, you probably don't believe that. But you know, like if you look at if you look at where the standings are now, it's like they could conceivably finish fifth. That's not that far out of, out of the question. If they finish fifth in the West this year, that's probably a pretty successful season. Uh, it's maybe not exactly where they wanted to be, and maybe not where fans wanted them to be, but that. I would say that's an okay year, considering how competitive the West is. Sure, sure, I completely. And that's agree. probably better than just being god awful and and chasing a, a draft pick. But I, I do understand how tantalizing it is for the future. But I, I don't really the sort of like aggressive pro tankers for a mediocre team. I don't I don't totally get. Um, yeah, but. hope hope is a good thing, but it, but it's dangerous and it, and sometimes it doesn't pan out. You know, that's the, the problem with sort of that hoping for a tanking team. What happens when when you, the rebuild does come around and your team still stinks? You know, 
Like exactly. That, like that, that's that's oh my god, that's even worse. And then you do it over again. So so now ask the Orlando Magic. Exactly. You know, there's a few other sort of examples we could point to, and just you don't really want that either. So uh, we're sticking with this team, and uh, hopefully some things can change in the next year or so. But we'll see. Yeah. So for me though. Uh, I kind I think it might be easier to do my job if they were bad and knew they were bad and like really cool with it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it might be easier to do my job if they were okay at being bad because then the losses wouldn't be people wouldn't be as cranky in the locker room. Like, if you want to like know how my like job as a writer works, if they knew they were going to lose each night and they lost, it'd be much easier to talk to guys in the locker room. Everyone would be in a much looser and 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 maybe. Uh, it would be easier to find good stories as opposed to when they're expected to win and lose. And then the locker room's really tense. Um, but that's, you know, the, that's selfish reasons. That, I'm, that's purely content reasons. Um, <laughs> um, this last question, is that the last one? Yeah, I think this is the last one. And then there's some other non questions we got too, but this is Daniel, Danny Prince at Daniel underscore Prince P R I N S on Twitter. Thanks Danny for the question. He asked, what changes do the Blazers need to make? to be competitive day in and day out. Yeah, I mean, I feel we spend so much time trying to answer that question a little bit. Um, I don't know. I mean, day in, day out, if Nurkic played mad, maybe that would make an impact. Um, so Mad Nurkic, baby. Yeah, so maybe maybe we need some, some staffers just going around sort of like, poking or sort of like hitting Nurkic and the legs with sticks or something to, to, you know, to uh, prod the Bosnian beast a little bit. <laughs> Blazers assistant coach Jim Moran's probably like six five, six six. He might be able to give he might be able to punch Nurkic and survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get to know Nurkic well enough where you know sort of his hot spots or his sort of triggers and uh, who knows. maybe that's a route. <laughs> I wouldn't want to take on that task, but yeah, good luck. <laughs> but if someone's got to do it, someone's got to do it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, honestly. That... I think, like, the amorphous question without specifics is they need a playmaking wing who can score, but, like, so do 22 teams in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. You know, Paul George loan for a year would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, the I mean, the Blazers really pursued Paul George through the draft. He, uh, the... Seems like the Pacers, A, got a better deal with Victor Oladipo turning into a star, and B, probably didn't want to make the trade to the Blazers. I don't think Kevin Pritchard wanted to trade Paul George to the Blazers, so he he didn't he did not pursue it as aggressively as the Blazers were sort of willing to uh, willing to take it. Um, so yeah, Paul George would have been a good fit, but uh, my cousin Jake, uh, shout out to Jake Kalman, he definitely does not listen to this podcast, but he's an NBA huge NBA fan, basketball. I'll call him a basketball genius just because he's not listening. Um, but he, but he, he has pointed out that there's like three prototypical small forwards in the entire NBA. Just sort of left, you mean? It's like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and that's it. Yeah, I, I, I suppose that's there's some truth to that based on sort of the historical understanding of of the the small forward in the game. And all and all the sort of like whack small uh, forwards auto, are, now, auto are now power forwards. Auto. auto Porter would be a good one, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, there's so few of sort of like the, the, like prototypical small, what you think of small forward. And there's just, there aren't a lot of them. Um, yeah. That's, it's, that's an interesting thought, really. Someone should maybe write about that. Uh, we talk a lot about sort of the de-evolution of all sorts of positions and the distinction between them. And yet, uh, one role is sort of dying. Yeah. Well, or Steve equalizing Kerr, or something. I don't know. 
Steve Kerr has said that that the power forward is dead. You're either a three or a five, mm. and I think that has caused that's the that. I think that small forward position that's caused it to sort of die because you're either a three or a five. So all those guys who were fours are now just kind of like uh, either really undersized centers or they're standstill weird standstill wings, you know. Um, because yeah. I, I don't I don't think of Mo Harkless as a prototypical small forward because he's not a ball handler. No, no, and his shot seems to come and go. Yeah, Evan Turner is more of like a two or a, a one, like a big one. Yeah, even uh, someone like Kevin Durant kind of is is really interesting, especially this year as he's taking on more defensive sort of. Yeah, duties. he's like a center. Yeah, yeah, or, or or a shooting guard. You know, like I just I don't know. He's he's a fascinating character. Fascinating but he's probably player. not a prototyp. He's probably not a prototypical three. He's like yeah, a, maybe a few years ago he was, but right, right, yeah. So that's interesting. Shout out to my cousin Jake. Um, that'll be my new spinoff podcast that I do called My Cousin Jake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to see that. That could be a good competition if he's got he's got basketball yeah, you're, thoughts like that. He, he, yeah, he's bringing he's bringing better uh, stuff to the table, Charles. So you better Damn. Um, family over friends, huh? I think I think <laughs> you've met I think you've met Jake. So uh, maybe you could you know where he's at? He's in Palo Alto, California. Shout hmm. out to Stanford. I have um, I have met him. Yeah, so you know. Uh, well, let's get out of here doing some stuff that I know the listeners love, which is talking about costumes. Um, if listen, if you gave us forty-five minutes of your time to listen to this podcast, we truly appreciate you. And uh, you know, go and before we talk about NBA jerseys for another ten minutes, give us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, and and you can you know turn it off here. But uh, if you want to hear us talk about costumes, we're about to do it. Uh, we we alluded to at the beginning of the podcast, uh, the NBA released new jerseys for every team on December twenty-seventh. Charles. Let's just talk about the Blazers one first. What do you think about the black plaid, the Dr. Jack-inspired black plaid that the Blazers are going to wear at the end of January? You know, I'm almost completely indifferent to it. Uh, it, it moves me in neither here nor there. Um, there had been rumors about a plaid alternative jersey for quite some time, uh, which we had to keep mum-mum here on the pod. Um, and so I really, oh, yeah, Charles had that inside info. Yeah. I, I really had different ideas about what it looked like and that it didn't meet those. is not the reason I dislike it. Of course. Um, I, I, I expected it to be bolder in a way. Um, me too. Riskier. I kind of wish they'd push the envelope a little bit more. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's barely a plaid sort of illusion. Um, I don't really know what's going on with sort of the loops on the side. Um, the solid red with no sort of outlines on the numbers or lettering. I don't care much for either. So we haven't seen it on the court though. And it should be scheduled. Do you know when we're going to see it or the first one is January 31st. The Blazers don't release all the dates. Some teams do the Blazers don't. So January 31st at home against the bulls. So that'll be, that'll be your first chance to, to get a look at it. Yeah, um, I'll, 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 you know, reappraise once we get to see it for a few games. Um, I, I tell you what, though, I will certainly not be uh, buying one. Sorry, Nike. Uh, may, ooh, maybe may, maybe the association dude, jersey or something. Remember, or, we're trying to get that sponsorship, so try that again. Yeah, we'll well, you know, maybe out. if Nike could send us one, I could test it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's an interesting approach, but we'll I'll allow it. <laughs> you know what? Put it on the board. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I'll, I'll wait to um, I'll wait to see what the uh, what the jerseys look like on on their bodies but i i thought i think for the most part 
if you're looking at the rest of the league, the Blazers didn't do that bad. There's, there are some teams that got way worse jerseys than what the Blazers ended up with. Yeah, it's not a miss. And if I understand that Nike plans on creating new additions of these each and every season, then... Yeah, this, then... this is the one that you can remake every year, okay. I believe. Well, well I, I like that, um, especially as I feel like in the NBA sort of larger culture, the idea of fashion has trickled in a little bit, you know, not only from the players... Um, many players being actively interested in, in fashion, qua fashion, uh, but just sort of sneaker culture and everything else. And while I'm not super into that stuff, it, it's undeniably a part of, of the sort of larger, um, the larger sort of game. Um, so, so that's a nice thing to see. Um, and so misses are allowed um, if, if there are, are some, and I think there are some from Nike here. Uh, so we'll, we'll see some new ones in years to come, and that should be, I think, a fun thing for, for fans. Uh. Yeah, um, I'd probably agree with you. I, I, like, in general, uh, I I, I kind of think the new jerseys every year is a little corny, but I also get, I get it. I'm okay with it. Yeah, see, I'm a huge soccer guy, and they get three new jerseys every single year. Yeah, well, you're and the, I, you're and I think like, that's fun. <laughs> you're this weird sect of NBA fan that loves soccer. There's just there's so many of you. They're, they're popping they're, up all over the country. They have natural affinities for each other. I could break it down one one podcast, but this was a strictly Trailblazers podcast and fashion apparently, and fa- <laughs> and costumes, <laughs> costumes. I feel like hockey and basketball are pretty similar because it's five players and and you run a lot, but whatever. Uh, um, hockey's in there too. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll have si- a, similar we'll flows. Have a podcast. Similar flows of the game. Well, this is why this is why we're going to end up with my cousin Jake because we're going to end up talking about hockey and and uh, soccer for forty minutes. <laughs> um, what other what other jerseys do you like in the sort of the city edition land? And what other jerseys do you hate? Give me one, a couple that you hate, a couple that you like. Um, I'll do a couple I like first. Uh, I you're a positive guy, Chuck. That's what yeah, I like about let's you. Let's start first. Um, I really, really like the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Bucks City, which is a, a cream kind of base, and they've continued. Uh, actually, it's not continued, but they have a little sort of these uh, longitudinal sort of color blocking that um, we see in the Minnesota's jerseys this year, um, which yeah, which I are really Bucks do it better. Which are polarizing, but I think it's a nice sort of touch. Uh, so I love this new Bucks one. Um, I love philadelphia's new one as well which is a total god philadelphia has a great a great set of jerseys yeah they, they there's classic sort of color scheme and, and they've also gone with a, a sort of cream colored base mm-hmm. which looks nice and and the script is nice a, a nice sort of uh, cursive for the the shortened uh philadelphia phila uh, by the way their their cream celebrates american freedom with a parchment paper inspired base color ah yes yes the signing of, <laughs> of, of the declaration of independence and uh, yeah the liberty bell so and all of that good stuff uh, uh-huh. we're, we're patriots here at the pod also we lo- yeah and so those are your two you just like cream colored jerseys or are there yeah well cream uh, that, that must like? have been a good a good good choice then because i feel i'm not, not alone in that i really like the utah jazzes which is meant to i suppose it's meant to mimic this sort of uh gradation of of the desert and sort of uh sandstone maybe it's not sandstone Either way, the natural environment, uh, uh, the natural beauty of Utah. I don't really know how well it does that, but it is. Uh, it's actually it's actually the famous Red Rock Formation, Red stunning Rocks. arches and breathtaking canyon lands is what their official yes, blog says on yes. the website. So I don't know how closely it mimics that, even if it's been inspired by it. But it's it's the, it is this gradient um, 
color scheme going from a, a yellow to a dark, dark, dark red. Um, and I think those are killer. Um, the ones I like that aren't on the link that me and you are discussing right now are the Miami Heat, like uh, mm. South Beach inspired green and, and pink ones. Those are my jam. Oh, so um, I don't know how Vice good they're going to look. Yeah, they're Miami Vice. I don't know how good they're going to look when like giant people are playing basketball in them. That might look a little weird, but I do think as like a streetwear thing, if you were to wear a uh, probably Wayne Ellington would be the number one player on the Heat <laughs> ever of all time. Like probably the he's probably shooting best. this year. Woo. Boy, he almost beat the Blazers on his own. Um, and he's a Tar Heel and a national championship. Shout out to my man, Wayne. Make it Wayne. Uh, I, you know, I, I think you'd look, I think anyone would look nice in a Wayne Ellington South Beach Miami Heat jersey. I just, that's just a style recommendation from your boy, Mike. <laughs> yeah, those are nice. I would agree with that. All right, ones you dislike. Give me some dislikes, oh, okay, Charles. Okay, okay. Um, oh, there's a lot of dislike. Uh, let's just, let's just, <laughs> let's just take aim at the Cavs, you know, because they, yeah. they got a lot of Listen, great things going for them in terms of basketball, but their jerseys are not one. That's I, we talked about this though, man. That's their tradition. They have a tradition of having the worst jerseys in the league, and they've leaned into it with these gray the land jerseys um, that just have no no nothing to do with their their colors or anything, and are really really bizarre <laughs> at almost every turn. Oh, they're bad. Yeah, yeah. Take a, take a look at those. Even their regular jerseys, not these alternate ones. I don't think are good. Um, other ones i think i think this dallas one is awful oh yeah it's hilarious it looks like it was designed in microsoft paint i i, I don't get it. It, it, it what's with dal i, I don't is... i don't even know that's not even that's not even like you know portland's got a pdx sort of airport code going there even though it's not has nothing to do with the trailblazers franchise but so you think they should have dfw on there yeah yeah i i, I don't know um, hold on what's the uh, dallas love airport code it's just it's just a miss and and this sort of black and a sort of shade of gray it's awful absolutely awful i think um and there's another there's another one that i don't like where is it um there's a, actually a whole bunch but i don't think the suns looks good i don't like the okcs either i don't know what yeah is going okc there. stays steady having bad jerseys too oh really God. in their history they've had really good basketball and really bad jerseys that's like the the uh yeah, no, sort of the, the, the franchise the, franchise lore. They're improving on the court this year slowly and surely, but these jerseys as they get released are not not an improvement. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. There's like a hint of yellow, and I don't really know where it comes from, and it clashes with the other colors. Uh, again, there's like a a fade, a gradation, a gradation of gray. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, those those are a huge miss. So I, I could I could go in on some other ones, but let's just end it there. Hold on, let me just read you the. Let me just read you the the blurb because it's pretty good. The logo and colors of this city edition uniform symbolize the Oklahoma City Thunder's playing style: fast, bold, and dynamic. Yeah, I, I would say it symbolizes the OKC's playing style of like disjointed, uh, uh, incoherent, <laughs> uh, mismatched as they struggle to put together uh, a, a Carmelo, Paul George, Russell Westbrook effective trio. Um, yeah, yeah, miss. Huge miss, Nike. Oh, well, hey, it happens. Uh, as long as, let me just get in. Uh, the Wolves, stupid gray jerseys. They're stupid. Um, <laughs> they're just dumb. They're dumb jerseys. Don't do it. Uh, you had you used to have really nice jerseys. Just look back at what the franchise used to look like, Minnesota. You had it. You had it nailed. Oh, 
Kevin Garnett wore cool jerseys. Just go look at his stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the New Orleans Pelicans, the they always do those Mardi Gras jerseys, and I think they used to do even crazier ones back in the Chris Paul era, and they should go back to those, the even wilder uh, ones. And and the shout-out to the Magic, they kind of look like pajamas, mm. mm-hmm. but they are so wild. I am excited to see the Magic play in those weird pajama Starry Nights uniforms. The edges of light bordering our universe reveal a vastness greater than our imagination. Mm. That's what the Magic's blurb this says. Is, it is fantastic. This is great PR speak here, people. Um, God, it's good. All right, that was 10 minutes of costume stuff. I too think much. We've, we've too subjected much. the people. No, listen, never <laughs> enough. Never enough. If if Nike's going to release costumes, we're going to talk about it. Uh, that's just, that's that's why we gave people that 40, warning at 45 minutes, you know? Let yeah, them know. We're gracious, gracious hosts. But anyone who's stuck with us for these last 11 minutes, uh, tweet at me and Charles and tell us which jerseys you love and you hate. And uh, we'll, I don't know, agree or disagree or give you like a favorite or something. I don't know. I'm not promising much, but we'll interact with you in some way. Charles will. Yeah, t- he's got like 200 followers. He's got 200 followers. He's not doing anything. Yeah, tell us about the uh, the jazz ones. I'm curious about those because I, I can I can see how they're polarizing, but I actually I love them. So I can't wait to see them on the court. Cannot wait to see them on the court because they're wild. Um, yeah, that, that's probably going to do it for us. Blazers play two more home games at the end of this week. They play Friday against the Hawks in a rematch of one of the Blazers' worst performances of the year, but this time with Damian Lillard. And then they play the San Antonio Spurs on Sunday, probably with Kawhi Leonard. Probably. I don't know the Spurs. He's not playing back-to-backs. I don't know the Spurs uh, schedule. But he played 30 minutes last night. So maybe he'll be back. Um, until then, we'll uh, we'll just keep watching. We hope we, we appreciate you guys listening to us. You can find us on everywhere you download podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. Tune in. Just search My Friend Chuck. Uh, do us a favor. Get you know, like, and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Tell your friends about it. Say, Hey, this is a good, this is a good podcast. I listen to you should check it out. Uh, word of mouth will really help us out. We appreciate it. If you're looking for my stuff, I am on everything I write is on organlive.com slash blazers. You can follow Charles on Twitter at MC as I mentioned at the top of the podcast and me at Mike G rich. We will talk to you guys next week. Charles, my dude, I appreciate the time. Yes. I know brother. Peace.